the idea of a circular theater works really well for all the reasons I just yes. told you, meaning that uh, it was working really well from the outside, but once inside the building, I mean, you don't really want a circular theater no. from acoustic perspectives. It's true okay. that it is the, of the, the, the color of the trunks of the tree. I think we wanted to really blend with the forest. So, uh, sorry, how do you bring a helicopter here? Hi, Alberto. I hope you're well. I'm well, thank you. Welcome and thanks for accepting the invite. We are at Wellington College in Berkshire, near London, and uh, you are an architect. I'm not going to uh, spoil anything else because I'll ask you to present, introduce yourself, but you're the very first architect on the podcast, and uh, I'm very pleased about that because I can ask you loads of design questions and you can talk hopefully in length and details about, about design and other things as well. So, yeah, welcome and thanks for accepting the invite. I'll try. <laughs> thank you. you. Thank you for inviting me. It's an honor to be the first architect. No problem. Um, so can you introduce yourself, who you are, well, the way you, you would like to be introduced? Oh, I am Alberto Favaro. I am an architect. I am senior associate at Studios Highland Architects. And I've been working there since 20... Uh, 15 and when actually uh, this project started not true this project started in 2014 the competition and then when it moved to uh, concept design when the office was awarded we uh, they hired me to be part of the team so actually being back here is an amazing walk down memory lane <laughs> yeah so, uh, yeah, can you, we're here obviously to talk about the Perform Performing Arts Centre, which is within the estate of Wellington College. Can you first explain how, uh, how it started, as in the competition, uh, and how you developed, how you won the comp competition, what was the process of, um, of the competition and everything? Oh, well, it started, it was an invited competition. Okay. With um, it was a tendering process. Yes. Okay. And uh, so it was um, it was an invited competition. It was, if I remember correctly, five firms invited to compete, and the brief was to basically uh, create a new uh, performing space for the college because the existing one, the Christopher Lee Theatre was only 350 seats capacity and they wanted something instead to be able to host the all uh, uh, college, all the students at least in the Monday morning assembly. Mm -hmm. So the reality is that it's the, the capacity they requested of uh, 1400 uh, people was withstanding uh, people at the back simply okay. because I mean the Monday morning um, uh, the Monday morning assembly is uh, something that lasts for half an hour one hour so you can afford having people like standing at the back and then they wanted like a 900 uh, seats capacity they wanted to be linked to the existing uh, theatre that following the brief of the competition had to be uh, repurpose 
into uh, rehearsal studios and uh, black box. Okay. Uh, so that was the initial brief. This was the competition. The competition was, um, I mean, it happened mid-2014. Uh, it took a few months, then it took a few months to award Studios Island. And then once that happened, uh, the office moved to the concept design and from there to um, uh, two stages standard process that then led to a design and build uh, contract. Okay, so what's the capacity, current capacity? Is the current it 900? Uh, 900, sets. yes. 900 uh, seats and 1,400 uh, with people standing at the back, both on the stalls and uh, the circle. And all the seats are fixed? Yes. Uh, at the end, uh, there was uh, a bit more flexibility uh, in the initial design, but then the VE process mm -hmm. led to fixed seats. They are the, anyway, uh, the first four rows are removable in an easier way than other seats. I mean, you can actually remove all the seats, uh, but the first four rows are more easily removable because they uh, are on top of the orchestra pit, which is uh, in front of the stage, of course. So. Okay, so two-stage uh, tender. Mm -hmm. And do you know why you won the, like, the tender process? Well, I guess we we had the winning uh, the winning scheme, the winning idea. It was like a um, uh, challenging side, and uh, because of many reasons, we can talk about them. And I mean, it was it's a site on uh, different levels. Mm -hmm. I mean, the back of the um, the back of the theater is in fact much taller than the front because it is on a, it sits on a slope. But it's a complicated site, above all because it is inside an historic campus. Mm -hmm. It is inside the Victorian campus of Wellington. It is close to uh, part of the campus that actually is from the 70s, which is like more like of a functional modernistic style mm. and uh, not only that it is also uh, on the edge of the forest which is on the south side of okay. the campus itself so we had to deal with all of these uh, factors surrounding uh, the selected site and they tried to go for planning previously uh, for a performing space here, but the real problem was the bulk of the building. Um, the capacity they wanted, 100 and, uh, sorry, 1,400 seats, I mean, kind of creates a fairly bulky building. Yeah. Uh, and it was difficult to find something that was marrying the site, that wasn't too uh, imposing on the forest and on the uh, Victorian buildings of the campus. And I think two key ideas uh, sold uh, the scheme. One is that uh, it is a circular building. The circular building not just brings something to the experience inside uh, that you have inside the performing space mm -hmm. itself, because I mean, it kind of goes back to a, uh, a Greek theater. 
it creates like more of a collegiate uh, atmosphere inside where there is visual interaction, mm-hmm. where there is like a proximity to the stage. But it also creates like a building that from the outside has no, no edges, no corner, and it kind of fades more nicely uh, against the background. So yeah. is. I guess I think the expression we used throughout the project was that it was like perpetually recessing into the background, (laughs) which I really loved this expression. (laughs) And this was the first idea. So this is already kind of making the volume more gentle inside the campus. Did you also want to replicate the the shape of a trunk? Because obviously you're, you said you're near the forest and there's loads of trees around us, around the sides. Was it the intention, because the facade also is a, is the color of a trunk, of a, yeah, a, a tree, so... I don't think we wanted to replicate a trunk. I think we wanted to really blend with the forest. It's true okay. that it is the color of the, 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 color of the trunks of the tree and it is in fact what drove the uh, the selection yeah. uh, for the cladding material the the pattern of the cladding material um, the fact that you have this sort of vertical pattern that somehow echoes the uh, the trunks yeah. behind the theater so and so I wouldn't say that we went for a trunk but we went like for this forest feeling yeah. uh, with the cladding and another th- move that we made to make the building even lighter, uh, talking about the exterior and the cladding, is that we lift the cladding. Mm-hmm. We kind of put like these circulation or glaze around the perimeter of the building. So you kind of have this feeling of this big volume that is like hovering yeah. uh, above the landscape. Interesting. I and I guess that this is, I believe, what won. I'm not, I believe, I, this is what. Uh, got us the the project what really sold it uh, for planning do you know um, which of the firms uh, were part of the tender process I don't remember I remember some of them but I don't think it would be fair to say if some of them are not the other one I believe okay just don't mention any of them Uh, I don't remember exactly uh, all the um, uh I mean, then yeah, that's all the group. Uh, so uh, what was the initial budget? Uh, the initial budget was um, uh, 12 or 13 millions mm-hmm. plus 5 millions for the uh, repurpose of the Christopher Lee Theatre. Okay. Uh, yes, this was the, if I remember correctly, yes. And in between both venues, there's another, like, more relaxed or informal venue or space. Like, is it like informal lectures, something like this? I can't remember. It's, no, it's, it's like a actually sort of for pretty you. accurate. I mean, it was, that came, it came while, I mean, we were thinking of the, I mean, while we were conceiving the project, the brief called for a uh, new building uh, uh, that was like uh, an independent structure, mm-hmm. but linked to yeah. the Christopher Lee uh, Theater that had to be uh, repurposed into 
black box and studios and so on. Yeah. And during the design process, the idea was why having a link, which is kind of a sterile object that doesn't mm -hmm. do much. And plus, I think the Christopher Lee Theater um, had a lot of positive elements to it. But I think it, I mean, what uh, we saw while designing, uh, what we realized is that there is something that doesn't quite work in the Christopher Lee, uh, Christopher Lee Theater, which is like this, uh, the access to the Christopher Lee Theater uh, to solve, once again, the relationship between the back and the front. Mm -hmm. They kind of brought the old theater uh, down to the level of the uh, uh, loading dock, which is at the back uh, of the theater itself, and they lowered the entrance. These create like a sort of pit in front of it that I guess in the aspiration of the architect was supposed to become an uh, outdoor auditorium. Mm -hmm. But it didn't, it never quite worked. We spoke with all the stakeholders at the college and it never quite worked because I mean, the background of it is then the glazed facade of yeah. the, of the, of the theater and that didn't work. So we started thinking, what can we do? What can we do to make the entrance more successful? And once again, it all played together with the idea of reducing the volume of this building. And so we started thinking, what if the link uh, between the old and the new building becomes a room by itself and it becomes the foyer? Mm -hmm. And what if, given that, I mean, this is a school, so nothing should be just, uh, I mean, just a room. Just, I mean, the, the idea behind every single decision we took for this building was that everything should have a sort of educational purpose. Everything should be open for the students. Everything has to be like using all the possible way to, to have like all the possible like function that yeah. they can have to function as an educational tool. And so we were like, well, probably we should create a space in between the old and the new building that is that works as a foyer when you have like a full capacity building, but then it can become something more. It can be like a sort of informal space for performances, for education, for where uh, when the bar on the foyer is in use, I mean, um, students can come into the building, uh, sit down, sit. I mean, we designed it purposely with this sort of tribune where you can sit and study or mm -hmm. play music or have a proper informal performance yeah. there. So we kind of try to create this, uh, this new space that wasn't in the brief. And probably this was another, um, another idea that uh, created like a winning scheme. Yeah. The fact that basically our intent was not just to create one building, but to give to the college more of a cultural hub. Yeah. So a place where they could come and kind of breathe and leave the uh, the atmosphere of the of the theater and the performance i'm surprised that the uh, there wasn't any aspirations to make it multi-purpose and it seems like it's very it's a very focused purpose for obviously assemblies but you know for schools you would imagine that there would be bleacher seatings or just remove temporarily the seats at the ground floor and use the ground floor for acti other activities, so more, uh, less theatrical and drama. Uh, was, was there a plan to do that at some point? 
it was it was part of the uh, initial scheme, mm -hmm. uh, and then of course then it is something that got lost in the value engineering exercise. Okay. So yeah, it was actually a very important part of the initial mm -hmm. project. Then we had to uh, kind of scale it a bit down. I mean, what was it lost? Um, I mean, I've got more questions about the VE, but. Can you, when was it lost in the VE exercise? Was it more expensive to make it multipurpose than this purpose of have fixed seating was, I'm surprised it was cheaper. Oh no, I was mean, it cheaper? yes it is. I mean, flexibility is uh, one of the most expo uh, expensive things yeah. that you have like in performance spaces now. It's actually very interesting because the more, Uh, we work on uh, uh, new performance spaces at the office, the more we uh, tender for uh, new opportunity, uh, the more we realize how basically there is no more uh, request single for single-purpose rooms. Yeah. I mean, of course, you're building an expensive uh, building, you want to make the most out of it. Yes. But, I mean... Even when we design uh, new new projects, and you always need to realize—I mean, you need to realize that uh, it gives more value to the project, mm -hmm. but it is an expensive feature. So I guess yeah. you need to find the right balance. At a certain point during the process of designing uh, this building, it's kind of well, the the balance move towards the okay, let's. Uh, renounce uh, a bit of flexibility and uh, yeah, in favor of saving uh, and using uh, funds for other what, elements. What did you, oh, first of all, um, what was the, like, the structure of the design? Was it traditional or design and build? It was design and build. It was, uh, as I was saying, a two-stage stand, um, Uh, two stage design. Uh, two stage, uh, two stage standard okay. uh, design, um, uh, up to stage uh, three, and then it became a uh, it led to a uh, design and build okay. contract. So, what was um, going back to multipurpose? What was what did you or what was proposed initially to make it more flexible? What was the plan? The plan was, in fact, to uh, to have, I mean, uh, removable seats mm -hmm. uh, and uh, system to easily change from one, from one layout to the other mm -hmm. on the ground floor. So the idea was also, it was not just to remove the seats and to empty the ground floor, I mean, have like a flat floor, but also to allow an easy... Uh, uh, change of layout in terms of uh, having like a uh, having the stage on one side to yeah. the stage in the center and have like a more of a uh, roundhouse mm -hmm. uh, theater in the round configuration maybe in the future in the, in the, I mean the the space does exist so I mean in the moment they will need to replace the seats maybe we will yeah. uh, insert this potential So what were the main challenges then apart from making that space multipurpose uh, or flexible? What sorts of challenges did you encounter? 
during the design? Uh, during the design, well, uh, the important one was to do something that was, the most important one was creating something that uh, uh, was dealing nicely with the site, as yeah. we discussed. The, uh, the second one was to um, create a building that was uh, in a good dialogue with the different levels he had of the, the loading dock, as I said, is five meters yeah. uh, lower than the access towards the campus. So we had to kind of uh, manage the dialogue between these two levels. Um, we had to to work with a fairly tight budget for a building of this scale mm -hmm. and to make it work. Did you have any fire restrictions, any regulations on this? Or was it fairly easy? And how about acoustics? <laughs> well, acoustic, acoustic is an interesting uh, is an interesting one because it's uh, we wanted the I mean the idea of a circular theater yeah. works really well for all the reason I just yes. told you, meaning that uh, it was working really well from the outside, but once inside the building, I mean you don't really want a circular theater yeah. from acoustic perspective, so. Because, I mean, the sound's all trying to focus in one mm -hmm. point, which is what all acoustic consultant hates. I mean, and, oh, what you don't want in any case. <laughs> we do <So>, hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know it very well. <laughs> so um, we had to play with the finishes of the wall and with the shape of the walls to uh, actually avoid this uh, concave nature of the building. In fact, if you, it's difficult to tell because the ground floor... Um, back wall is painted black, so you kind of don't read the geometry, but it's not circular. It is in a scalloped shape that scatters the sound, <laughs> while the top circular wall is uh, micro-perforated with absorption behind. Oh. So, uh, in reality, the yeah both the circular walls that you see, uh, ground floor and top floor, they are actually not simple concave surfaces but at the top floor it's an absorptive surface while at the ground floor at the stalls it's all scallops to scatter the sound micro perforated what's the exact material uh, it's not actually it's not micro perforated it's perforated, perforated it's okay. perforated it's uh, perforated plywood with um, uh, an acoustic absorptive absorptive backing yeah okay and this is what we see at the, the first floor, top floor over there. Yes, it is, it is actually, it is not fully perforated. I mean, I guess the first like uh, 1.2 meters is solid simply mm -hmm. because you would have people leaning uh, against it during performance, uh, during performance and during assembly where you have yeah. in fact standing audience at the back and so we wanted that to be to be as solid as sturdy as possible perforating it was probably weakening it so and or more i mean if you you realize it also looking at it from here the first like uh, meter or so i mean it's not really visible from here so also from the acoustic perspective i mean you have like seats in front of it while yeah. the upper part would have been like the problematic part and that is perforated 
And had you always thought of doing those profiles as well on the side walls that you can see behind me and on the balustrades? Or did they come later? No, like, that came more. The con there's a contrast. So you could have carried that on all the way around um, in on the on the side walls, but you decided to just have it on these walls, these curved walls, that profile, timber profile. Oh, well, I have to say these are not really the one uh, at the circle level, but the uh, stores uh, back wall went through so many iterations of mm. uh, material finishes. I mean, it's, it had this shape at a certain point, but it was uh, with a um, higher Uh, spec finish. It was, I remember, at a certain point in a glossy plywood that was somehow dialoguing with the other plywood elements, but without like replicating the actual pattern of them. In uh, then there was a moment where it was like made of uh, timber slats with like a sort of void behind. So you were reading uh, timber slats with like. Uh, proper gaps in between every element with a setback uh, absorptive uh, material. And then eventually we decided to keep, to kind of highlight the actual design elements of the, of the auditorium. I think the process was to, once we had to edit out Uh, yeah. for value engineering purposes, which is not a bad thing. I have to say, sometimes, I mean, the forced editing out process that value engineering uh, is sometimes end up to kind of, I mean, it helps bringing more clarity into the project. And that That's was a nice way of saying it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. <laughs> because we, I mean, I agree. As designers, we don't like value engineering because we've got an, an initial design in mind and we realize we get told, told off for, for it being too expensive. So we have, think, a, we have to compromise somewhere. And I think this is my way of dealing with it, trying to yeah, find yeah. a nice way to read it. <laughs> so in trying to use it to bring more clarity, we said, okay, let's use let's actually highlight the uh, design elements of the of the room yeah. so we kept the side walls also like to bring a bit of emphasis on the stage mm -hmm. and we kept the balcony and up to a certain point uh, we kept also the main reflector above the uh, the the circle if you see the oh, yeah. the main reflector that's um, It is a freestanding object. It used it used to be uh, up to quite late in the design process, um, made uh, following the same logic of the balcony front. Um, but again, it was edited out. In and I believe it's not bad. I mean, pro again, probably I'm. <laughs> looking for a nice way of reading the value engineering process, but it's probably, uh, I mean, it's working out and it's nice to see like the red seats that kind of ends the, uh, the space and then uh, you don't kind of read mm. the, uh, the ceiling. It looks like fade to black, literally. Have you uh, got any visuals of all this? Are you able to share that? Absolutely, absolutely. The, the initial pleasure. design, um, and then um, obviously the design that's 
value engineered here, but the initial intents. Yeah, we did visuals like throughout the the design process, and we actually um, the we we face the editing uh, process. Uh, I mean, in a um, in a very conscious way, in a sense, we didn't simply edit out elements mm. every time something was, I mean, an item came up in terms of value engineering and every time it was assessed and we yeah. kind of check it with visuals to see that it wasn't compromising the design and the spirit. The balcony front was, at the beginning, was completely different and it was um, uh, more of a uh, 3D sculptural object mm. than... Uh, and that, I think, was uh, an amazing process of uh, getting to a design clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, we came up with this balcony design. and it's, Is that you who came up with it? Is uh, it the well, I well? was really... No, it was us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, um, I'm very kind of... Uh, emotionally looking at that because it was <laughs> a very long process that was uh, part of it really closely. I remember uh, hours and hours and hours and days really modeling iteration of this balcony front. So what we wanted was something that was once again scattering the sound and uh, projecting the sound to the audience on the stalls uh in different directions that were given by the acoustic consultant so it goes from uh nine degrees of it had to go from an angle of nine degrees uh close by the stage to 20 something <laughs> at the on top of the control room uh at the very back okay so the idea is okay probably plywood is a nice material plywood would bring some warmth to the space, but how do you create something that would have been actually a double curvature element, which is very difficult and very expensive to produce. So we had to come up with an idea that was scattering the sound, that was creating a double curvature surface because it is already inclined. It's going from 9 to 21 degrees, if I remember correctly. And so we had really to think, how can we do that? And we realized that uh, dividing it into tiny elements, uh, all uh, just exposed together, mm-hmm. we could create the double curvature surface into pieces and into modular elements that we could build on site in uh, elements that were like one meter long and then just built here. So they are uh, all prefabricated off-site module or then uh, put together here on site. I remember coming in here and having just like a, the trust that is supporting it uh, and one module standing in front of the vomitorium <laughs> there. I probably have some pictures of that. If I find it, I can send it. Just the one module there as a mock-up of the balcony. And it's, uh, I mean, I shouldn't say, but it is like a, uh, very, I mean, it's a very clever object because it solves a lot of problems in once. It's, it brings, uh, it is a design item, but it is really like a, a very functional object mm-hmm. within the, the room. And it's yeah, a very simple object. Now, uh, if you look at it, you see that you have like protruding um, 
uh, I mean, every other one is a protruding object and that is a proper box, which is like five centimeter thick. And then the recessed one are actually um, uh, sculpted in a way to absorb the curve. So the curve is absorbed by the recessed uh, element. How did you model it? How did you work the, the whole shape and the gradual depth of everything? Did you have software that did everything automatically or you did it by hand one millimeter? Oh no, it deeper? was we did it like with, I mean, it was like half and half. It was, um, uh, we, no, it was like, well, the concept came as a land sketch, I guess. And then we model it mm -hmm. with um, rhinoceros, the 3D okay. modeling. And it all start, I mean, you basically started with a, uh, with the surface that you want. And then yeah. along that surface, we kind of built the, the elements behind. Interesting. And did you have, I presume you had a, well, you said it was custom made. Was it uh, an, like a cabinet, not a cabinet maker, but a specialist contractor, subcontractor who yes. did it? Yes. What's their name? Can I you? don't remember the specialist. The name of the specialist contractor who did the balcony, I don't remember it. And so the same was done with the side curved walls as well? Yes, but I have to say the side walls was kind of a simpler object. Yeah. Uh, it's not a gradual depth, is it? No, exactly. I mean, at a certain point, it was, uh, it was leaning forward, but then it was just too much and it was... Uh, affecting the circulation here, the stairs that uh, leads to the stage or the stairs that goes like along the perimeter of the circle. Okay. So we decided to keep it vertical. It was simpler, neater. And it was also nice to keep like this uh, angle uh, nature only to the uh, balcony front where it was actually uh, needed. And why plywood and not another material? It was a mm, cost-efficient material to bring like warmth and coziness to the to the space. Mm -hmm. I think that was the uh, what led the uh, the selection of uh, of plywood inside. Yeah, timber has always got a, a very warm feel, especially in auditoriums and concert halls and theaters. And it was also kind of linking to the pattern of the of the exterior cladding. So it was just like taking like that vertical pattern that once again was was linking uh, yeah. uh, the building to the to the forest and bringing it inside just in another tone. And why did you have the seats as red? Did you purposely cho chose it? Was it part of the the whole design, or it was a default um, color? Do you remember? Um, I remember it had something to do with the school color, but I might be wrong. Okay. Uh, but we did iteration with uh, different colors. Um, I have a whole set of uh, interior visualization where this theater is in fact blue, a very okay. nice um, royal blue, but then it was nicer. It was, I mean, once we decided to go for uh, uh, black painted black wall, I mean, kind of the red was working. In a Definitely nice way. stands out yeah. from the rest. 
Um, did you have any sustainability aspirations for it? I know that now we we try to design net zero buildings as much as we can. It was yes. I mean, we. Time. I mean, we are always very conscious of sustainability in every project we do, and plus. Uh, it was a requirement of the competition to have uh, the highest possible uh, BRIAM uh, mm-hmm. rate. I uh, believe the project Swiss uh, has a very good uh, BRIAM certificate. It's um, mainly the main uh, feature in terms of sustainability are, well, the roof is... Uh, Mm, uh, all covered in PV panels. Okay. Now nobody sees it. It was, <laughs> it was something again part of a uh, long uh, process of doing visual studies, not to get them visible from any part of the, uh, from any building in the in the campus, mm-hmm. without having to raise the upstand uh, of the roof, because again we wanted to keep the building as low as possible. But the OS, uh, roof is covered in PV panels. The uh, timber of the... Uh, I, I wouldn't be sure about the plywood inside, but just because I don't remember. But all the, the, the exterior cladding is locally sourced. Okay. And, um, and yes, so these are the main features in terms of sustainability of the building. Um, haven't made it clear or we haven't made it clear what is the theatre made for in terms of events and um, performances I presume we we mentioned um, school assemblies but is it also used mainly for drama or is it very versatile for also music and amplified music I don't know if the college has like classical music or acoustic music, acoustic instruments courses. Do you know that? The auditorium is done for, is designed to host also uh, acoustic music performance. So, and it was that it's the, the idea uh, for this building was to create not just a performing space for the school, mm-hmm. but also a performing space for the whole community. Yeah. When I was coming here this morning, I was speaking with uh, Louise and she yeah. said that, I mean, and I was actually curious because, you know, uh, it's my first time here in quite a few years. So I was curious to check how how the building is doing, yeah. uh, what and what the building is doing for the school and for yeah. the community. And I remember that uh, one important uh, idea behind the building was to create something not just for the school, but also for uh, the community around the school, for, uh, uh, for the town and, uh, and the other towns around. And she confirmed that it is uh, used for not just by the school, but every time the school or any uh, lecturer or mm. uh, performer is coming uh, for an event here. They also sell tickets uh, yeah. for whoever wants to attend, and apparently it is always uh, fully booked, so it's good to know that. And so, yeah, so the the idea was was to create something that was like going 
beyond the boundaries of the school itself. I guess you, we were talking about, I mean, what was the idea, what it was done for, and this, looking, looking around where we are now on the stage, and it is, I mean, um, designed to have all different kinds of production mm -hmm. in it. The pivoting panel on both sides on, of the uh, of the stage are uh, made of uh, an absorptive material on one side mm -hmm. and a reflective material on the other side. So while they pivot, you uh, don't just allow uh, access to the stage from the side wings, but you also can change what they do depending on the performance on the stage. So you can have That's like clever. acoustic absorption. Or yeah, we tried to operate them earlier when we were <laughs> setting up everything and couldn't work out how to do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's pretty clever. I didn't didn't realize it was like this. Um, yeah, so what I wanted to say earlier was um, yes, I can confirm it's pretty pretty booked uh, in terms of, of events because how much time have we has it taken to organize that podcast episode here? with them making sure it was it was available it was not doing well it's cool times but um this it's always pretty pretty full in terms of um, schedule this is so good to know <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah no well i mean it's, it's nice to know to come back to your um a building you've designed because we i guess we rarely do it do we or oh, just after at uh, the opening ceremony or opening day and then you but let after that go. a number of years yeah yeah exactly and uh, retrospectively know what was a success and what was not so much of a success or what is used <laughs> in terms of design I hope I mean they're doing uh, I mean everything they had in mind I mean I remember uh, there is like the uh, the access to the backstage is a five meters tall uh, metal door mm -hmm. which I went to see before beginning yeah. the podcast. I remember I was so excited about this ginormous door that lets the stage and they explicitly asked for it mm -hmm. uh, because again, it was like at a certain point, I mean, we were questioning, but do we really need that? I mean, can it be small? And they were like, no, we want helicopters on stage. We had an helicopter uh, on stage for, I don't remember what production they had really? uh, in the old no, I need to theater. go and film it. I need to go and take, oh, at least take some pictures and share it in the podcast. <laughs> so, so in fact, again, these pivoting panels on one side, the one of the large door, they also, mm, they also just, they came pack at the back. So mm. they... Uh, allow for the biggest possible opening towards the side wing to have direct access from that door inside the stage to bring like the largest uh, uh, object on stage as props. So, uh, sorry, how do you bring a helicopter here? Through that big door behind me. Okay. And uh, the pivoting panels are on a truck. Uh, so you can pivot them and then slide them to the side so the opening is maximized. Uh -huh. I didn't realize that. I like uh, seeing small features like this and you said oh, that was used for that. Um, oh, what's the structure of the building? I presume it's concrete. In no, it's concrete. not. Steel In frame. fact, the, uh, it is steel. It's a very complicated structure actually because... Um, Basically, it has a double nature. It's on a, it kind of looks simple if you look at it 
I mean, when you are inside, you don't realize it, but it's on several different radius. So you have the perimeter, which is, of course, uh, uh, on, uh, I mean, on one radius, mm -hmm. but then all the structure up, I mean, from a certain point up follows the uh, different radius that creates the, the balcony uh, okay. layout. So it's a fairly complicated steel structure that also helps being a bit more sustainable than building in concrete. And it was so well done that it won a, uh, an award. It won okay. like the Structural Steel Design Award in 2019. I had to check it out before yeah. the starting of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. I didn't, didn't realize that. Did you win any other awards or did the project win any other awards, not just you? It actually won an award before uh, even being built because the... Um, Apparently, the, the design was so captivating that at the World Architectural Festival in 2016, it won the Future Educational Project Award. Okay. And Nice. It was really, it's also, it was so beautiful. I was here every two weeks uh, when the project was on site because we were like, uh, we were having like big weekly site meeting. And I can send you pictures, the skeleton of the project where you kind yeah. of read everything. Um, I mean, you see, you see the space, but it's just like a steel skeleton. It's very fascinating. Actually, now that I remember, the old building is in um, steel. The uh, balcony has a uh, the balcony has a steel structure, but then the uh, the actual slabs are in. Um, Uh, precast concrete. Okay. I believe it was to reduce the footfall noise when you walk uh, on the okay. uh, balcony itself because under the balcony there is um, acoustic plenum yeah. as under the, uh, not an acoustic, a ventilation plenum, sorry, mm -hmm. as under the stalls. Yeah. It's the, the ventilation of performing space is always like a super fascinating aspect Yeah, especially uh, when it's, uh, it's done on the floor. From on the floor, there's a bit more design, maybe, I guess. It's in, in this case, it's actually quite interesting. And again, uh, I was, um, it came up at the office actually a few weeks ago because we are working now on an auditorium that uh, is not circular, but uh, it is uh, it has a curved uh, back wall and it is again in one situation where we have to optimize the space and yeah. uh, ventilation elements in a performing space are something really demanding in terms of space because uh, you need a very big area to reduce the um, speed of the air because yeah. I mean air velocity creates noise and you don't want noise in a performing space I mean you know it better yeah. than me I'm just <laughs> no 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 it's really good got the lesson and so you end up when you work in performing spaces depending on the performance that are requested uh, above all if you have like Uh, classical music in them, you end up with sometimes uh, ventilation ducts that are actual corridors where you can walk inside. As in this case, uh, under our feet, I mean, mm -hmm. we have like two big ducts that run 
uh, yeah. here. And you can really walk inside them. But Did you walk inside those? Uh, well, then they're not big enough. These ones. These one are actually you need to you can, crawl. You can crawl, in, you in can crawl. Okay. but in some cases, I mean, in one auditorium, in one in a concert hall that we are working on, uh, which is on phase one in Egypt, we, I mean, ventilation ducts are actually uh, two meters by two and a half, so they yeah. are proper corridors. But in here, once again, uh, so it was easy to have the part of the uh, of the ducts underground because I mean they weren't taking they weren't taking they, they weren't affecting the volume of the building, but then the problem was how do we uh, place the uh, uh, the risers to the uh, balcony plenum in a space efficient way, and and this is what came up for this other project we are doing now and we kind of uh, repropose this solution instead of having uh, large uh, raises on both sides of the stage where we have already enough going on because we have we need to have side wings as big as possible uh, for the stage mm -hmm. and we we had the lift to give full accessibility to, to the upper level we have uh, eager stairs so the solution we came up with is beefing a bit up the back wall and pack inside the walls instead of two large ducts, a lot of uh, smaller circular ducts. So basically all the back wall that you see is populated with 250 diameter uh, circular ducts that goes from the uh, ducts uh, under uh, the stalls to the plenum under the, uh, the circle. Interesting. Did you, who came up with it, that design? Someone at the office. <laughs> oh, so it, it wasn't me. I don't remember being studio uh, signer, myself. Not yes. the mechanical engineers. We. It was studio signer. We. Uh, we. I mean, it came up during a workshop. So mm -hmm. I mean, it was a uh, uh, collegial effort during yeah. a workshop. I think as most of the things that you do when you work on above all on performing spaces where, uh, I mean, what, what you are building is more a machine than, yeah. a, than a building itself. Because, I mean, another typology of building can be a bit more forgiving in mm -hmm. terms of uh, the angle of a balcony front, of the curvature of a wall, while um, a performing space has to actually... Uh, I mean, work as a machine. It needs to have a outcome that everybody experiences in terms of, I mean, not just like sitting in the space, but just like work with something that is happening mm -hmm. inside the space. So you are in in that sense, I mean, working with a team that you uh, that you go along with and doing design workshop. I mean, throwing idea that sometimes might be uh, absurd, but not being afraid of throwing ideas and see if they might work, challenge yeah. uh, what you have, challenge what was done before, just to see if you can come up with a solution that is more effective, I think is the the key. And it is what makes the, uh, exciting. the, the, the our job so, so exciting. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think there is nothing more exciting 
when you work uh, in every project probably, but in a performing space even more than stage three when the uh, all the services come inside the building. So you kind of have your nice building that you designed, that you designed. You have like a nice concept that works, that uh, looks really nice in visuals, but then you have like services coming in and services are humongous. They are humongous in an ordinary building. In a performing space, they are even bigger and you need to find the space for them without losing your project in the process. I mean, being truthful to the concept that you had at the beginning, but you need to make it work. And the challenge to take, I mean, to, to go through this process and keeping, I mean, the, the project true to itself is I think is the most exciting part. I mean, I love being on particularly being on stage three of uh, performing spacing project. But then after that, you've got the VU process. Well. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, uh, I agree. So that's when stage three is um, technical design. So we know we have a good idea of what we want to do and we refine it later. Well, as we, from stage three onwards. As Studio Siren, did you work on your own? Were you the, the main architect on the project? Um, did your principal, Christina Seiden, uh overlook everything? Did some work with you? Or she left you completely independent and you were just checking a few a few details? How do you work as a as an architect? <laughs> Christina doesn't leave any project to itself. Okay. <laughs> She's very deeply involved in every single project of the, um, of the office. And in this one, she was absolutely... Uh, uh, very deeply involved. So, yeah, it was one of the first built projects of the company, yes, of the of this scale. We had, like, um, a smaller residential project built, but this was the first, like, uh, large cultural project of the, uh, of the company, yes. And how many architects and, well, staff did you, did you need for this project? Oh, very good question. It's fluctuated a lot Mm -hmm. during the different uh, stages of the project. I think probably at its peak, we were like eight, ten people working on it, probably eight. Okay. What does that include? How many technicians and architects? Or architectural technician. Well, we had architects, we had technician, we had like architectural assistants, and then, well, this is just without uh, within uh, our firm. Then you have mm-hmm. like all the massive team of consultants. You have the structural yeah. engineer, we had the, I mean, the acoustic consultant, the theater planner, the uh, well, and all the other uh, disciplines involved in uh, in a project of this scale. I mean, another. Uh, we had the landscape designer. The, I mean, you kind of almost don't notice the uh, the landscape uh, outside this building, and I think it's uh, somehow part of the success of it because it kind of perfectly blends into uh, the uh, the uh, uh, the campus, but the landscape of uh, outside. The the building is very carefully designed uh, by, first of all, we had like a really uh, great consultant working with us, uh, Todd 
long stuff gone. And he he designed something that was creating like this nice, gentle um, heels uh, sloping down towards yeah. the CLR that also gives like creates the space for a very gentle ramp that makes uh, the building even more uh, accessible. Yeah. Because already, I mean, being accessible, of course, I'm, it's, it's a yeah. must in every building and if possible, even more important in a school. So uh, it kind of the, the position, the site, the level difference we were discussing before helped a lot in this sense, meaning that the main circulation along the perimeter of the building is open uh, to the outside. So in reality, you can access directly from the, I mean, the, the balcony level is at the level of the, of the campus. The stores are lowered. So you basically enter at the campus level and you are at the vomitorium level of the, yeah. the theatre. So that already uh, is a, a big help in terms of being accessible. Plus then, if you want instead to, uh, to enter at the foyer level, I mean, you could enter uh, from the uh, circle level and take the lift down, but you can also uh, take the... Uh, ramp, the gentle ramp, and enter easily from the from the foyer, the CLR level, and arrive at the stores. Interesting. So the landscape was pretty important for this project. It was important. Uh, it was important to to make the the project uh, accessible, and it was important also. Um, at planning stage mm -hmm. to again create a scheme that was nicely sitting mm -hmm. in such an important site. Was there any other disciplines or um, designers who were really important for the project or were key, a key part of the project? I guess structural, the structural engineer was was key for this project and mentioned the ventilation so I guess the MEP as well the MEP was important the I mean finding the solution uh, of for example I mean having like the small ducks populating the back wall mm. I mean that was kind of a game changer solution yeah. in terms of uh, using uh, the space that we had uh, um, available finding uh, I mean, the MEP uh, together with the acoustic consultant, because I mean, you have no designing a performing space, you have no meeting with the MEP mm -hmm. that is not uh, at the same time with the acoustic consultant and the other way around. Depends. And, <laughs> <laughs> but we try. And uh, if there's enough budget for it. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, and finding the right way to, I mean, to make the space comfortable. Mm. So where are the outlets? How many are the outlets? I mean, how do you integrate the ventilation, uh, reducing like the uh, the expensive grills? So for example, uh, this is another interesting point in terms of finding solutions that are uh, nice visually, that allows like uh, to create like a, comfortable environment where they are cost effective cost effective uh, in the well here uh, you see on the stores we have like uh, floor uh, 
uh, grills under the seats. Yeah. While if um, you go on the balcony level, um, we we have uh, a plenum uh, okay. uh, underneath the the seats, but the opening are not on floor grills, but we simply create slots on on the risers yeah. of the balcony. So instead of having like expensive off shelves object like the grills, yeah. we we simply uh, built. Uh, the the ventilation outlet within the structure of the balcony the structure mm -hmm. of the balcony is pro basically as i was saying before steel beams with precast concrete uh, slabs sitting on it that creates like the i mean the floor of the balcony and then the risers that connects the two floors of the two balcony yeah. is plywood with acoustic backing and on that we just scored the uh the the outlet uh for the ventilation then comes from the flannel underneath. So that was a sort of one of these cost-effective solutions that come up during design workshop mm. with. How long was the design process and how how long was the construction? The design process, so the competition uh, happened in mid-2014. Uh, mm -hmm. The uh, concept design started Uh, at the beginning of, at the end of uh, 2014, December 2014, mm -hmm. up until November 2015, when the demolition of what was here before started and then the construction. Mm -hmm. What was here, in case you were wondering, <laughs> is uh, basically the ancillary facilities for the Christopher Lee Theater. Mm -hmm. So there was storage Uh, there was a storage and uh, toilet facilities for the theater. Yeah. We demolished that. It was a smaller volume addition to the Christopher Lee Theater, where now we have the CLR. We demolished that uh, building, uh, given that we could find, I mean, we added storage here in this building and mm -hmm. uh, toilet facilities. So we kind of integrate what we demolished from the existing building and uh, well, when we build this. And so we actually, uh, well, the we added another things that they, we kind of, they wanted to uh, facilitate for the Christopher Lee Theater was changing rooms that were in the basement before and not really, Uh, easy to use during performances so we brought the uh, it's difficult to see them and they are very well hidden under the tribune of the CLR okay. there are the changing rooms that are female and main changing room under the bleachers so exactly in between the two theaters so they can serve both theaters okay so yeah how long was the construction oh sorry uh, <laughs> I got carried <laughs> One away second, I, I thought <laughs> Did he answer that question? <laughs> uh, from then, from November 2015 okay. to um, October 2018. Great. Right. So, is there anything you would have done if differently? Or you would like to change? It's a very strange feeling to be inside the project you design because you're mm. always critical about everything and you, yeah. uh, you see all. Uh, all the things that are not built as you were envisioning them. And it's, in fact, one, one thing that I really love is to go visit um, 
project of my office where I wasn't involved because I, I am really proud of them and I don't see the defects. So I'm like, wow, we did this. This is amazing because I mean, I don't have like the critic eye of the architect that was involved yeah, that yeah, always yeah. spots all the uh, uh, the small faults of them, of the project. I mean, I have to say, uh, I don't know what I would do. And there are like few things that are, we sacrificed during the construction process. I mean, when we had to become a bit more uh, aggressive in terms of VE. And, uh, what was it? Uh, it was uh, probably um, uh, a bit of the interiors that uh, can be improved. Mm -hmm. uh, there is built-in margin of improvement. For example, uh, we initially designed um, uh, automate orchestra pit Mm -hmm. uh, there wasn't budget at the moment, but we allowed uh, for uh, for that. So there is like an actually an actual lift pit under the orchestra pit. So for the moment when uh, fund will be available, mm -hmm. they can add it easily. So there is already built-in potential for mm -hmm. improvement of the interior. For example, adding a higher degree of flexibility. This is what uh, I would do. And yeah, I would say that probably I would focus. I mean, if I would change something, would be like in the specs of the interiors. I'm really happy with the exterior the, mm -hmm. because probably we managed to get the exterior through before having to add additional VE. But yeah. I mean, I'm really uh, pleased by the exterior. The exterior, I think, uh, was very success, successful. If you look at it outside, it's, um, it looks very random. You have this very random configuration of timber going around the whole building. And in reality, there are only uh, nine different panels that simply placed, they're placed in a way, we, we did a script of the office with a software to minimize the numbers of panels uh, maximizing the randomness of the look of the pattern. Uh, we also then uh, study some tricks, like for example, the fact that the panels are um, uh, just exposed, like not with horizontal joints, but with staggered joints so that you don't read that. So you really have a high degree of randomness and it looks really uh, refined yeah. and neat. Um, with uh, a minimized cost just using like clever solutions. So I'm really happy by the exterior. I mean, uh, and if I really had to do something different, which there is anyway room for that in the future, is probably uh, go for <coughs> slightly higher specs on the interiors. What aspects are you the most proud of? I can probably guess it's the balcony. <laughs> maybe there's something hidden you're more proud of I think what makes me really proud about this building is his nature itself I mean it was an amazing opportunity and I think I truly remember one of the best experience of my life uh, having like the privilege to be here at the opening and I wasn't expecting that um, but sitting uh, in the audience and seeing uh, students of every age performing on stage was really mind-blowing that was I mean if I have to say uh, uh, yeah the things I'm the proudest of this building is the building itself I mean what it 
the building is doing, what I hope it is doing to young people, people discovering themselves, uh, yeah. exploring themselves, their potential. And that I think is the best uh, part of this project and what I am the proudest of. Well, you've answered the, my first question was the best memory you have about the project. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the, definitely the opening. And what's your worst memory? Oh, well. <laughs> the memory you can say. <laughs> I mean, I had like very rough site meetings, but I mean, I guess, again, it's part of the nature of a project. So I don't have bad memories. I mean, even like uh, um, the challenging moment on site. I mean, at yeah. the end, they eventually led to... It always happens. Uh, it they happens and they, they led to solution that's eventually works so yeah. they are welcome i mean it's part of our job so it's okay <laughs> um how can we find uh you or the more about studio silent uh presume there's well there's a website so no. there is a website uh studio silent uh dot uk dot com mm -hmm. and there is um uh, instagram? instagram account and a linkedin account that you can follow Okay. Again, look for Studio Siler mm -hmm. on uh, Instagram or LinkedIn and you will find us. Okay. Very great. It's been nice speaking to you, Alberto. And uh, thank you for coming here and thank you for the invite. Thank you I very you much it. for inviting me. It was a great pleasure.